Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alyndavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free free. Welcome to Kindred Conversations, the show where we shine a light on local mental health professionals who are the unsung heroes of our community. Join us as we delve into their journeys, strategies, and the art of healing minds. Together, we'll break down stigmas and celebrate resilience. Today, we have with us Shannon Shannon Draper, who is a clinician here in North Carolina in Raleigh. And it's funny because Shannon and I have a bunch of things in common. Um, She's a qualified supervisor. She worked in therapeutic boarding school for a long time, and now she's been in practice, uh, in private practice for the last little while. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Shannon? Yeah, thanks, Aubrey. Um, Yeah, so my name is Shannon Draper. I'm a licensed trauma therapist. um, And I did my studying up in Boston. And a lot of my clinical experience was up in Boston before I moved down to North Carolina about six years ago. Um, And during that time, I worked a lot in residential settings. So I worked in a homeless teen living program. Um, I worked in rehabilitation rehabilitation and incarceration for young men. Um, And then I moved on to therapeutic boarding school. Um, So I really like uh, working with folks that um, have a little bit of uh, fiery attitudes, Um, not unlike myself. I use a lot of um, humor and sarcasm in my work. Um, I do think that therapy is such a sacred and vulnerable space, but that doesn't mean that we have to take ourselves too seriously and that, you know, we should be able to laugh um, because, you know, crying all the time isn't necessarily uh, the, the, the vibe, I guess, um, that we want all day, every day. Um, so I, I try to do the same thing. And uh, so I'm in private practice. I work with uh, young adults. Um, however you want to define that, typically over 18 to about 40. Um, And again, my specialization is trauma. So I do a lot of work um, with EMDR. Um, I I do a lot of work with boundaries and value setting and really taking what feels kind of like a black and white um, this or that into the world of gray and finding ways in which it aligns with who we are, who we want to be, who we're working towards becoming. Awesome. Wow. Okay. There's a lot to dive into there. First of all, like selfishly, I really want to know more because you said that you studied in Boston and Mm -hmm. that's where I study. We studied at the same place at um, Leslie University. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, like, was your 
department very similar to where I was at. Cause like in the expressive therapies department, they're wild. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very, very liberal school um, to say the least. I mean, I showed up the first day on the courtyard and like everyone had drums and um, it was, you know, it was really fun, but it was something like out of a scene from like San Francisco in 1970. (laughs) It did feel that way. I think that you guys, the expressive arts folks, really led the way on that. Um, you know, when my classes would overlap with expressive arts people, um, you know, there was a lot of movement um, and a lot of freedom, which I really appreciated. Um, <clears throat> I took a kind of a sensory specific course. Um, mm. So there were like body socks and collage making. That was really neat. Um Leslie, yes, really uh, encouraged and celebrated folks to show up as themselves, which I really loved. The trauma department was a little bit um, less of the expressive department, but Mm -hmm. still very encouraging and very empowering of, you know, authenticity and freedom of expression. Um, So it was one of the things that I really loved about them. And I think it was one of the only universities really at that time that was offering a trauma specific specialization with trauma specific internships and trauma specific classes. Um, And so I knew the second that I walked into that open house that that was the place for me. Yeah. And I mean, I think Massachusetts is an incredible place to get your foundation in mental health just because their systems there are so much more robust than Mm. they are down here in the South. And so I feel really privileged now. And I I imagine for you too, coming into North Carolina where our systems are um, less developed in terms of mental health treatment and services and all of that, to be Mm. able to kind of compare and know like that there's, there's more to be had. Like there's so much more that, that, we can as a as a state that we can develop into i completely agree i think that we were very lucky to have um so many resources at our fingertips um in boston so much diversity and inclusivity um and opportunity you know i it's funny because i never wanted to be a therapist until i realized how much versatility Um, I would be able to have and how many folks and different opportunities I could use this licensure with. And that's really what sold me. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, as far as the, the, the ways that Boston itself was able to kind of progress, you know, there are a lot of hospitals and a lot of universities in Boston. And so I was um, very lucky to be able to, to work, with them, alongside them, uh, um, affiliate myself with them. You know, I worked in an integrated community health center and the work that they were doing um, as far as connecting with clients um, and keeping them engaged in services and making sure that there was able, there was the ability to kind of follow up with services. It was mind blowing. And now I'm having conversations with folks that, you know, work at local universities here of implementing that kind of procedure. And I feel really excited that I have so much knowledge and experience to bring to those conversations. Yeah, that it's really cool. So you came to North Carolina 
uh, when went around what time? 2017. Oh, it's the same year I came. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we just like have been parallel journal journeying. Right. You, just you graduated a couple years before I did though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we just keep just missing each other, I guess. Yeah. Until well, today. What an exciting chance to get to meet you and talk to you. Um so since you've been in North Carolina since 2017, you said that you also worked in a therapeutic boarding school mm-hmm. that was um, a little bit older than the kids that I was working with in therapeutic boarding school. Um, what do you feel like were some of your big takeaways from being in that environment? Ooh. You know, I love I love residential. Residential is a type of therapeutic work that doesn't exist anywhere else. Because so often, and I'm sure that um, folks in private practice can understand, you know, we get folks for an hour a week or an hour every other week. And in residential, you get to see folks therapeutically in the therapy room, but then you also get to observe and interact and engage with them kind of in real time when they're having the struggles that they're bringing into the therapy room. Mm -hmm. So it's a type of therapeutic work that really can't be replicated anywhere else Mm -hmm. because we're not talking about it in hindsight. We're talking about it in real time. We can pause in real time. We can encourage and empower coping skills in real time. And you get to see it from the point of therapist, but also observer, which is really, really powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah and then you almost uh, serve as like puppeteer a little bit and like helping to uh, like for me, I was because you work with you work with the kids directly, but then you mm-hmm. also work with the staff that they're working with to make sure that they understand the theory behind why we're doing certain things with these kids. And then we're also streamlining that with the parents to make sure that everybody's on the same page. So it, it's a totally different uh, continuity of care because like mm-hmm. your hand is like literally on every single part. And then a lot of times too, you're also working with the um the educational consultants that are back in the community getting services right. for them back home and you're sometimes working with their their teachers and their therapists at home and so there's just a lot of versatility right right absolutely it's again it's you know i i feel like residential is either something that really really fuels you and ignites your passion or it's something that you really want to stay away from because Mm -hmm. it is just its own niche specifically. Yeah. And And now you're, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say as a sidebar, um, I apologize. I am sick and I have a toddler that's homesick. So if you hear them um, in the background, that's what's going on. (laughs) You know, it's just a constant pivoting I mean, it is that time of year, so if if somebody's listening to this in the middle of June, just so you know, we're recording at the end of January. (laughs) Yes. Um, And sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, No, no, I was thinking of, um, so now that you're in private practice, Mm. and um, I know for me, the transition has been challenging just because of like the limitations of private practice. Um, 
But what I'm curious about for you is like, how have you taken some of the uh, skills and, and uh, the clinical work that you've developed through, you know, that work in, in residential treatment centers, therapeutic boarding school? I mean, you've been in several, right? So how, do, mm-hmm. how does that translate into your clinical work now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, first and foremost, I just really can appreciate and understand how important consultation is Mm. and how important it is to talk to other and, you know, hopefully, right? Because I, I'm, you have to get releases and, um, but I, I think that I can really speak to how powerful that is to engage mm-hmm. with other resources, to engage with other folks that are, you know, in my clients' lives, um, and to speak to why that's important and how that um, enhances my perspective. You know, I miss I miss those sassy teens so much, um, <laughs> and I think residential really allowed for, um, and you know, sometimes you can take it for granted how quickly you can build rapport in residential like it happens in days Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the slower pace of private practice obviously because you're not seeing them as much and again you know when when there's a crisis happening in residential you are there on the ground with them helping you know put coping skills in place helping to get them to regulate their nervous system, kind of providing psychoeducation in the moment so they understand what's going on. You're in the thick of it with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, you know, that that establishes a rapport at such a quicker pace. And mm-hmm. so I have to remind myself to kind of slow down in private practice. Yeah. <clears throat> and you mentioned psychoeducation. That's something that for me, I feel really um, strongly competent in mm-hmm. because of just how many people that I had involved in the case, like I was describing earlier, you know, so mm-hmm. I imagine that, that something similar for you where it's like, you're just, when you're in that environment, you just can't read enough about how, you know, attachment works and relationships mm-hmm. and social skills and all of these things, because that's the bread and butter of what you're teaching to your clients and your families, you know? Absolutely. And so I also do some work as a parent coach with families that are currently um, either in transition to um, or in transition from um, a wilderness program or a therapeutic boarding school or a residential treatment center. And it's really given me a lot of great experience in helping parents now manage the emotions that are coming up with their child being in an out-of-home placement or considering an out-of-home placement in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do, in a way that I wouldn't have been able to support these parents otherwise mm-hmm. if I had not worked at the therapeutic boarding school. Yeah. And what a scary transition for parents to be making with their kids. They're literally just like handing their kids over to strangers you know, they're professional strangers, but they're strangers and really literally taking a leap of faith. And so to be able to give them a lot of education and knowledge about why and how and all of that is mm-hmm. just invaluable. It really is. And and since, since um, leaving the therapeutic boarding school, I myself have become a mother. So I understand that, 
you know, from a whole different perspective of how impossible I'm sure it feels to Mm -hmm. consider an out-of-home placement for your child. Yeah, for sure. That was actually something that um, I think set me apart in therapeutic boarding school was that I was one of the few therapists in that setting who had a kid. In fact, um, the place that we had been talking about before, um, Mm. I was the only clinician on the team at the time. It was funny because all the other clinicians had dogs and Mm. I had a kid. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, there's just a certain amount of empathy and grace that you're able to understand when you're a clinician who also, you know, is trying to work through generational trauma with your own kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I used to get that question often um, as the clinical director, you know, parents would come to me and say, well, are you a parent? And, you know, you get really skilled at answering that question because you know, you know the answer that they want. And I, you know, I could say that, no, I I don't, I don't have children, but I can understand or I can empathize with, you know, how difficult it must be. And, you know, I I had grace in answering that question. And now I just feel so silly that I ever answered that question that way. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it feels so different. I mean, my life has changed irreversibly. Um, and I completely understand the weight of that question now in such a different way. Yeah, the way that I described it to people after I had my son, my son's my first child, um, was, you know, it's like when you're growing this child inside of you, it's like you're developing like another limb, you know, mm-hmm. and then when they're born, it's like as though that limb was chopped off. And now it's just like floating around somewhere in the world and it's vulnerable and you're not sure what's going to happen to it. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm, you've just solidified the very big squeeze. I'm going to give my little one after, after our conversation. It's, it's, yeah, it is. How old? I have a a one and a half year old and I have a three year old. Oh, I have a one and a half year old. Oh my goodness. (laughs) We're just living the same life over here. Yeah, just on opposite sides of the state, right? Yeah, I guess so. Well, um, so um, what's the population that you're working with now? It sounds a bit eclectic. Yeah, you know, I definitely have a a person-centered approach. Um, You know, folks come to me looking for trauma work, obviously. Um, As I mentioned, I do a lot of EMDR but for me, uh, you know, my, my specialty is in relational trauma and family of origin trauma, um, and specifically emotionally immature parents and people. Um, I work with folks, as I mentioned before, you know, um, boundary setting, values identification. I do a lot of script building and script supporting for folks um, mm-hmm. who would really like to have different boundaries in their life. But everything that they learned about boundaries doesn't necessarily align with who they are and, you know, how can we make it feel more aligned with their values and give them the confidence to speak up for themselves and to, you know, build relationships that feel really empowering to them, supportive to them, um, while also not feeling like they're sacrificing themselves. So I, you know, I work with a lot of people who identify as empaths or intuitive or um, um, highly sensitive um, Mm -hmm. folks that 
care really deeply. Um, and because they care really deeply, you know, I talk to them about, you know, your sensitivity is your superpower. I think for folks that care really deeply, a lot of times they were told that, um, you know, you're too sensitive or you're being too sensitive as if it were an insult or a character flaw. And I really help empower folks to see that as a strength. Mm. Yeah. How powerful is that? And it, it's it's really interesting as you were talking about that, like I was like, wow, I really align with the the work that you're doing because I feel like I could do the same work. I took a different direction in my specialization. I, I said, I said, you know what? I work with individuals with ADHD because there were so many in the therapeutic boarding school where, mm-hmm. you know, ADHD and autism overlap so much that I feel highly competent in that area. Yeah. Um, but, but also doing a lot of um, empathy work and boundaries work and, um, right. And also like talking in terms of like, you know, like these are your strengths. These are your superpowers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I describe myself as kind of like the ultimate hype man. Like I really love validating people while also challenging them to take accountability. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, working with the teenagers, I think they're, you know, when it showed up as, you know, hostility or that fire or that spice. It was really that they weren't being seen or heard or they didn't feel seen or heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so much power in validation and active listening and then taking that and taking that power and making it align with who you are so that when it comes out, it comes out the way that it was intended you know, I think that language is incredibly important. There is an, there's a difference between, you know, happy and joyful and sad and depressed. Um, and I think for a lot of the folks that I work with, finding the right language really changes how they can show up in their relationships with others and themselves. Well, what a beautiful note to end on. Um, how can people find more of you, Shannon? Yeah, so I'm actually um, doing a rebrand of my website. Um, So I will send that along um, because it's not quite live yet. Um, I'm also on Instagram as that sarcastic therapist. Oh, I love that. Humor (laughs) in my work. Um, I'm on psychology today. Um, And then, you know, I I work with, um, I'm affiliated with a lot of different folks Um, So you can see my work in solutions, parenting support. You can see my work in um, healthy boundaries for kind people, people, excuse me, um, fair play facilitator. Um, So I have a lot of different uh, ways that I'm able to, to reach folks. Awesome. Well, for those of you listening in, you can find more of this show on bizradio.us. Be sure to like and subscribe. Thanks for joining. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.